The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I believe in having clean options. I support companies who innovate products that break the norm and help clean up my daily routine. If you believe in that too, go to nativedeo.com. That's nativedeo.com forward slash brain and get 20% off your first order today. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I am here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. And find the right psychological professional. And the reason I say that is because uh, not all of them uh, have the best qualifications or at least are into communicating in the right way. And um, I'm being really careful here because there's so, so many that are great. There are so many that are wonderful. They have changed humanity. They have helped us. And then there are some that aren't aren't so great. And um, I'm going to read you an email momentarily here that talks about someone that I believe isn't so great. This person reached out to a counselor and got some help and apparently was receiving help for a couple of years, but I'm not sure how good that help was according to her email. So I'm just going to get right into this email and we'll see where we go with this topic today, which is really about someone learning who they are, someone who doesn't really know who they are. If you resonate with this, keep listening because I do have some exercises on this. I have talked about it in other episodes, but it is a great topic to revisit just in case you are dealing with any type of identity issue and you want to learn who you are and maybe what that means in your life if you don't know who you are. And we'll just see where we go with it. So let me just read you this email now. It goes like this. Hello, Paul. I've been a listener for over two years and you have always helped me organize my thoughts, and help me understand things my previous counselor could never explain to me. I am no longer working with said counselor, however, I am feeling very lost. He pointed out to me that both my parents check every box for narcissism. I've always been controlled by them, never really formed my own opinions until I got to college, and I really got that outside perspective that showed me that I am an individual, and that I can think on my own, and I can make my own decisions. As a young child, my parents often left us outside when they were working, so we never really had guidance. 
I've become a very resilient person and I have grown from that, but I'm now in my late 20s with kids and I'm in a relationship that has been going on for almost a decade. I'm just realizing I don't know who I am. I've played the role of a mother to my kids and I have worked since they were born and we have plenty of downs, but not many ups. I don't know how to find my true self or even discover who I truly am because I've always had someone telling me who I am and what to do with my life. I'm struggling to lose weight and I realize my life is more important than anything, but I don't know how to take charge of my own life and get my health back where it needs to be. I don't know what else to tell myself. I have every reason to get myself together, but I sometimes just feel so depressed that nothing ever changes because our home life is hectic with my narc mother living with us and actively dying from a disease. I am finding it extremely difficult to motivate myself to do better. I no longer have a counselor because he told me to just deal with it, and I don't really know how. I'm hurt, and I'm sad. Thank you so much for sharing this. Thank you for expressing it here. I appreciate that you're listening to the show and you're learning things. And I just want to say something about that counselor who told you to just deal with it. But I'm going to hold back until after the break (laughs) because I really want to say something about that and it really needs to be said. But let me tell you what stands out in your letter. If I were to end this episode right now, I would say, everything will change when your mom is gone. That is my prediction. If I take out the crystal ball, that's my prediction. I mean, I'm reading your letter, and I'm thinking, wow, this is really tough. This is a tough place to be in. You don't really have a a foundation of your identity. You feel like you really don't know yourself well. You've had some learning and growth, and when you went to college, that was really helpful. But then you ended your letter saying that your narcissistic mother lives with you. That, to me, would be the end of this episode. I would just say, well, your mom's living with you. Why do you think you're feeling the way you're feeling? We typically get away from the toxic family and go out on our own and do our own thing so that we can grow and heal. But what has happened here is that the toxic element came back from your past and is now a part of your life, and guess what? A part of your identity. She is in this mix, and I'm not saying you have to get rid of her. You know, she's sick. She she has this disease. She's dying. Of course, you're being human. You're being loving. You're doing everything you can to help. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, if you think it's a big mystery why you can't figure out who you are and how you fit into the world or whatever, I want you to remember that you have one of the most toxic elements of your childhood still in your life. This is like living next to deadly radioactive plutonium that you finally moved away from and you were starting to feel better and then somebody mailed you that old plutonium and now it's in your house again and now you feel bad again. Now, I have no idea if your mom moved in right away or after you got back from college. I have no idea, but the bright part of your letter was when you were in college. When you were in college, hey, you figured out that you have an identity, or at least you started figuring out that you can make your own decisions and no one was telling you what to do. And reading through this message, I can tell that was a positive note in your message. 
But then you get to that part where the clouds get dark again and the thunder is booming and things are looking bleak because your mom lives with you. And on top of that, oh God, I want to say something right now. On top of that, your counselor told you to just deal with it. That irks me. That really ticks me off. I'm going to address it right when we get back, I promise. And um, I'm going to give you an exercise or two to go through so that you can start the process of learning to understand who you are. But I want you to keep in mind that it's very, very difficult to explore a path of personal growth and development or any type of mental, psychological, or emotional improvement when you have a toxic element that is near you and around you most of the time or even some of the time. You have it most of the time because you have this person living with you that has been like a radioactive isotope in your house. And now you have to deal with that probably on a daily basis. And on top of that, she is ill. So I don't know if that makes it more difficult, but I would imagine it probably makes it more difficult because there might be a conflict inside of you. I have to take care of this ill person that I'm supposed to love because she is my mom. But I have feelings about that. I'm making some assumptions. I could be completely wrong. But when you've been raised by someone, a parent typically, that is also toxic, in this case narcissistic, you have probably developed attachments where you love the person and you can't stand the person, or at least their behavior. You want a mom, but you don't have one because she doesn't show up as a mom. There are probably many components to it. But I want you to be aware of this person in your life and how she is probably very toxic even now. And even if she isn't, even if she wasn't bothering you and she just stayed in her bedroom all the time, she's still there. She's in your proximity. She is in your mind all the time. You want to know what's eating you? That's probably what's eating you, at least one thing. There's more to talk about, of course. I'm not going to say just deal with it. I'm not going to say that because that's just wrong. Just wrong. When we come back, I'm going to tear this apart and we'll get into it. Be right back after this. One of my prerequisites when doing this show is when I get a sponsor, I must either talk directly to that sponsor, talk to their team, and if possible, get a product from them or use their service so that I understand what I'm pitching to you. Only because I need to protect my reputation. (laughs) That's not the only reason, but I want to make sure that I'm not just a sellout. I don't want to tell you about products and services without vetting them, without putting them to the test. And Native Deodorant is one of those products I have vetted for the last, what has it been, two, two and a half years? A long time now. It's been a long time. And um, as soon as I got my first Native Deodorant, my girlfriend snatched it and she started using it. I told her all about it. I said, hey, I've got this uh, new sponsor coming on. It's called Native. And I knew she would love them because I told her all the stuff that she appreciates and that she's an advocate for 
which is basically saving the planet, saving the animals, saving the rainforest, all of this stuff. Uh, she appreciated that it was uh, vegan. She appreciated that it was never tested on animals. She loves that it has no aluminum. It doesn't have any parabens or sulfates or talc. Uh, and of course, I love all this stuff too, but she really loved it. She snatched that deodorant. I couldn't use that one after that. So she took mine and started using it. And since then, she has tried several of their scents, including uh, the coconut and vanilla, which is my favorite. She loves the lavender and rose. She likes the cucumber and mint. And uh, she also uses the citrus and herbal. And she gets the multi-pack with the small ones. It's really cool. Uh, so she can try all the different scents. But they also have rotating seasonals as well. So you can try out their different scents. I think one came along. It was pumpkin spice or something. I didn't try it, but that actually is very alluring. <laughs> I might have to try that. So let me tell you about this. Native is risk-free to try. Every product comes with free shipping in the U.S. Plus, they have a 30-day return and exchange program. So there's no risk. You just get the deodorant, try it out. I know you'll like it. And um, my girlfriend has started using their toothpaste, too. She loves the, uh, I think it's the charcoal toothpaste. She should be doing this sponsored ad spot right now. <laughs> I should probably do that. I should probably get her in the air sometime and have her do this spot. She loves it. She is part of the 14,000 five-star reviews that they have. And if you're anything like my girlfriend, you're going to love this, too. And, of course, if you're anything like me, you'll probably love it, too, because this has become a staple in our household. Do what I did. Make the switch to Native today by going to nativedeo.com. That's nativedeo.com. Add forward slash brain and you'll get 20% off your first order or while you're at nativedeo.com, just use the promo code brain at checkout and you'll get that 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com forward slash brain or use the promo code brain at checkout for 20% off your first order. Welcome back. All right. I'm going to talk about this email and especially I'm going to tell you my opinion about this counselor that said, just deal with it. Let me say this. I, I really want to say shame on this counselor. I really want to say that, but I'm not going to. I know you heard it. You can't unhear it. Now the jury heard it and I'm striking it from the record, but I'm not going to say that because I don't know the whole story. I don't know this, how this counselor works. I can't discredit this person. I don't know who this person is, but if this is true, if he just said, you'll just have to deal with it. Let me say this. It could be a hundred percent right. What he just said, you're just gonna have to deal with it. You have a situation that's not going to change. You're just going to have to deal with it. That could be absolutely true. It's just, you don't tell someone who is already in the throes of defeat, more defeating information. You don't do it. You don't do it that way, at least. There's a certain tact, there's a certain approach, there's a certain way to do it, so it's not so defeating. It doesn't amplify what they already feel. Someone should be able to leave the office with a, a sense of hope, not despair. So I hear this in my mind, ah, oh, you just have to deal with it. He may have said it in the friendliest tone ever. You know, you're just going to have to deal with it. This is something that you're just going to have to work through. I can get that. And I understand that it could be 100% true. Maybe this was the most direct counselor you could find. So, again, I'm not trying to discredit him or say anything bad about him, but 
he should have worded this differently or not said it at all. If it's true, if that's 100% true, I don't think it's 100% true just dealing with it. I think there's always something you can do. There's always something you can say, a different approach, a different way to view it, a different perception, a different outlook. There's always something that gives you some sense of hope. And this person didn't give it to you. I'm glad that you're not seeing this counselor anymore because if that is the breadth of their advice, um, then I don't think it's good advice. Does that mean I'll have good advice? That's up to you to decide, but I'm hoping it gives you hope. I'm hoping it gives you direction. I'm hoping it gives you a new outlook, a new perception. That's what we're supposed to do as people helpers on the planet. So I'm hoping that maybe somebody who might give the advice, well, you'll just have to deal with it. It's too bad for you and good luck. See you later. I got another client. I really hope that's not how he does this with anyone. And like I said, I don't have the rest of the context of your sessions, so I don't know why it ended up that way. But that one little quote in your email, deal with it, even without the context, just irks me. It doesn't make me feel very good about this person. So I want to say, shame on that counselor. But even if he was 100% right and you had no choice to deal with it, he should have never told you to just deal with it. The reason I highlight this so much, A, is because, you know, the counselor shouldn't have said that. If you want to leave feeling defeated, you don't have to go to a counselor. <laughs> you shouldn't have to go to a counselor to feel that. You can feel that already. But B, it's already a given. That's the most obvious, quote, suggestion anyone could give you. You already know you have to deal with it. You don't have to pay someone else to tell you that. You already know you have to deal with with your situation. So that's pretty much why I'm continuing to talk about this one quote. It's just an unhealthy thing to do. It's not good advice and it's not a good suggestion. So I want you to strike it from your record. <laughs> Meaning you don't have to take that as a real suggestion from a professional. You can just take it as that counselor is having a bad day and gave you the wrong advice. I'll give him that. He was having a bad day and he just couldn't come up with a good suggestion for you. So he gave you something that just probably slipped out of his mouth and I don't like it and it wasn't a good suggestion. So strike that. That's not something I want you to do. I don't want you to just deal with it because you already know you have to deal with it. That would be like saying, oh my God, I lost my arm in a car accident. Now I have no arm. And then somebody comes along and says, oh, that's, yeah, that's really sad. You're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, I know I'm going to have to deal with it. <laughs> Why do you have to tell me that? I know that I'm going to deal with this. I know that I have to deal with this. So can you give me any type of uh, positive outlook? Tell me at least, you know, there's so many things that people with one arm can do. Tell me about the drummer on Def Leppard. He's a one-arm drummer. <laughs> tell me that. No, just deal with it. Okay, I'll get off my uh, soapbox on that one. But I wanted you to strike that from your mind, even though you've heard it and you can't unhear it. Just like I said, some things that you probably can't unhear now, uh, or at least for that counselor. And uh, please know that I highly respect therapeutic and counseling professions. And there are many, many good ones out there. And I'm going to say that you probably didn't have one of the ones I'm talking about, one of the good ones, or at least not a compatible one with you.
because maybe somebody else would hear that and they would probably feel like, okay, I'll just deal with it. Maybe it would work for them, but I don't think he read you well and it doesn't sound very hopeful for you. So we're going to say that there's a lot more people out there. And of course, you've been listening to the show for a couple of years, so you've learned some stuff that I've talked about and you keep coming back. So I think I must be giving you some sort of positive direction. And this is why you wrote to me today to um, help you through this challenge you're having. So let's go into that. Let's figure out what we can do instead of just dealing with it because that's the given. I'm going to go over a couple parts of your email and address these things. The first part that you wrote, where was it? Um, I don't know how to find my true self or even discover who I truly am because I've always had someone telling me who I am and what to do with my life. So you've already heard me say this, but your mom is still there in the same house in your proximity. And that is what I call relationship radiation. Some people might think it's a dumb term. I love it because it truly exemplifies what radioactivity can do to you. If you are near a radioactive source of any type, you're going to feel the burn. It's going to make you sick. It's going to make you unhealthy day after day continuously until you're so sick that you can't be around it anymore or you're going to die. That's extreme. I'm not saying that she's going to do that to you, your mom. But I am saying when you are around something radioactive, toxic in this case, your mom, that you're going to feel it even if she's not in the same room because radioactivity goes through walls. You may not know it's there, but you'll feel it. You will sense it. You will think about it. It will eat away at you. And like I said earlier, even if she's not doing anything harmful anymore, even if she's you know, gotten to that point where she's too old to try to control you and she knows she's in a bad situation, unless she has maybe fully apologized and had reached some sort of emotional enlightenment and realized that she's been harmful and she just tells you, I am so, so sorry, I have been neglectful, I shouldn't have treated you that way, I, I shouldn't do that, you are my daughter and I love you. If she didn't say any of that, or even come close to any of that, then she's pretty much the same person that you've tried to deal with since childhood. She probably hasn't changed too much, or the dynamic of your relationship hasn't changed too much. That means two things. One, she'll probably never change, because she's at that age now, and she hasn't changed yet, and you're in your 20s. It's been many, many years. If she hasn't changed now, she probably won't. And number two, this means that you have to do things and think about things and communicate things a little differently because I'm worried that you might be responding and reacting the same way you used to react with her when you were a child. If you were submissive and she was controlling and you're that same way now, that will continue the toxic relationship. That will continue the relationship radiation. Not that it's easy to get away from that toxicity, but if your responses to her are still in any way submissive, instead of, I'm confident in myself, I'm confident in who I am, and we're going to talk about that, this is my house, and you have no right to talk to me that way, or talk to my kids that way, or talk to my husband that way, if you're not showing up like that, the confidence in yourself, and 
spewing self-compassion and self-love and self-respect and self-care, if you're not showing up that way, then no wonder you don't know who you are. You can't know who you are if you are still under some sort of control. Even if she has no control, you probably still feel like she's a controlling element in your life. In fact, I would say from my limited perspective right now of your situation, that because she's in your house, that you feel like you don't have your own space, you don't have your own privacy, even if you do, but you really don't because she's in the next room and you really can't speak freely about her or anything, you probably still feel controlled. And if that's the case, you have no identity. You can't because you still feel like you're under that same level of control and you've never left your childhood home. This is one way to look at it is that you've never left your childhood home because the person that was controlling you is still there. And even if she's acting differently, she's still in your mind as that controller. And you may still be responding to her in a way that is disempowering to you and giving her that control. Because if she says, well, you know, I want my bed made and you're not making it. What are you saying to that? You know, I'm just making stuff up. I mean, she may be the nicest person now. I don't know. You didn't actually mention if she's a toxic element anymore. But let's just say that she said, you know, I want my bed made. How come you're not making it? When I go to bed, it's too hard for me to, you know, she's complaining about something that um, maybe is valid, maybe not. But the way she is telling you makes you think, oh, I got to deal with this now. And you probably have to go through this every day. So how are you showing up? Are you saying, well, you know, that's too bad. If you want your bed made, you'll have to make it yourself. That might sound cold because what if she is ill? Maybe she needs someone to take care of her. And if that's the case and that person is you, then there has to be an empowering element for you to be in this controlling environment so that you don't feel like you have no power. So this is kind of step one of building the structure of who you are. You have to find a way to get your power back. I look at power as the ability to say what you want, be what you want, and do what you want. It uh, doesn't mean you can be, do, and say all of that all the time, but you show up in a way that you feel comfortable, that you feel more authentic, that's more in alignment with your beliefs and your values. And when you have that, you feel more powerful. But when somebody's around that takes that away, that power goes away. It, you feel drained. So she may be this element that's draining you, that causes you to feel like you have no structure in your life. And that structure is built from the power that you currently feel like you don't have. So how do we get our power back when we're in this controlling environment? My first thought on this, again, with the limited information I have about you and your situation, my first thought is that you have to remember that she is in your house. She is under your roof. She may need help, and you are choosing to help her. You are obviously making some sacrifices here, but she is still in your house. She is still under your roof. Plus, and this is important, she's no longer your mommy. She's no longer mommy. I'm saying that from the kid's perspective. She's no longer mommy. She is your biological mother, but she's not mommy. And you don't have to be the child with her. She is another adult in the house. She's older than you, 
but her age doesn't matter now because you're both adults. So if she's older than you and you see that as some sort of hierarchy that you must follow, that's not how I want it to work for you. (laughs) I don't want you to look at that as an older, wiser person. I want you to look at that person as another adult and another adult that should treat you as the head of the household, which means she doesn't have to treat you as a daughter. I mean, it would be nice if this relationship was healthy and she could treat you like a daughter, but she doesn't have to. All she has to do is respect you as another equal adult and respect that this is your house. You know, if you want some sense of identity, start owning stuff. Start owning the house. This is my house. Your bed's a mess. I didn't get to it. So you're just going to have to deal with that. Again, that sounds cold, but she's a dying woman. Yes, and you are taking care of her. You are helping her live her final days in the best way possible. But you also don't have to take crap because you own the house. You own the space. You are providing the roof. And she might say, but I raised you. I gave you the... Of course, she did. She had that responsibility. She chose to be a parent. And now you are the parent, which means you get to control the environment because you own the house and you own the space. And if she treats you right, you will treat her right. And you may have to say that. You may have to say, you know what? If you start treating me with love and care, I will do the same for you. She might get angry and she might storm off. And you might feel like a little girl again because you might have some fear that kicks in because that's your mommy. But she's not your mommy anymore. Now she shows up as a loving, caring, healthy, supportive, generous mommy. And you want to be a little child in that moment because it's healthy by all means. But when a parent doesn't treat you the way they should treat you, in my opinion, the way they should treat you is someone who's lovable and important and worthy. If a parent's not treating you like that, then they're no longer your mommy or daddy. They're just another equal adult that you'll just have to treat like another equal adult. If a friend moved in or a stranger moved in as a roommate and they started doing the same things, you'd probably have a problem with that. And you'd probably have to stand up as the head of the household and say, I'm sorry, that's unacceptable here. You, you can't do that here. And so I know I'm making a lot of assumptions here. I know that I'm assuming that your mom is doing all this behavior and you might be thinking, she doesn't do any of this. It's not that at all. But I want you to take away what you can from what I just said about all this because I want you to feel comfortable in your own skin, in your own house, and to own this place that you're in. Not just the house, but who you are. This equal, fully grown adult with kids and a marriage. You own the marriage. You own the fact that you're a mom and you're doing the best you can. So no matter what anyone else says, doesn't matter. You're doing the best you can. Nobody can convince you otherwise because you're doing what you believe is right for you and your family. And plus, you're making some big sacrifices having her in your home. And this can be tricky because some people will say, yeah, but she's your mom. She's family. And I get it. I I totally get it. And for the most part, I agree. We have to take care of family when we can, if we can. And it sounds like you might have the means to help take care of her. But at the same time, just like I say in my other podcast, Love and Abuse, you have to be treated with respect and kindness. You have to know that you are in control of this situation, whether she likes it or not, and she's going to have to just deal with it. 
that's maybe where that quote will apply. <laughs> maybe you can apply that quote to her. Because you already know you have to deal with it. You've made some decisions to have her in your home, which is quite noble and, as you know, emotionally dangerous for you. But we're going to change your perception. You own this place. You are the one in control. If she has a problem with it, that's just too bad. She's going to have to make do. She's going to have to deal with it because you are going to show up as loving and kind and caring and compassionate, like I'm assuming you already are. And if she doesn't recognize it, you're going to have to remind her. You're going to have to remind her, look, I'm caring for you. I am trying to love you. I'm trying to be compassionate towards you. So when you treat me like this, it shows me that you don't care. It shows me that you aren't thankful. It shows me that you don't even respect me. That's your right, of course, but don't make it hard on me because I'm trying to make it easy for you. But if you make it hard for me, it only makes it worse for you. That's part one. <laughs> this is part one of starting to structure your life and figure out who you are is to own this stuff and get back in control of who you are. Don't treat her as mommy. Own what you have in your life. Be proud of what you have in your life because that's going to start defining you in small ways and sometimes big ways and making you feel better about yourself. That's part two. You want to feel better about yourself. You want to make sure that you're doing things that make you feel better about yourself. If you are submitting at all and it makes you feel like crap and makes you feel disempowered, then maybe submitting is the wrong thing to do. So this part two is figuring out where you lose your power. What behaviors, what do you say, what do you do that drains you? Whether your mom's involved with this or not, what do you do that drains you? What do you do that makes you feel powerless? What do you do that doesn't enhance your life, but instead diminishes it? You mentioned you're a parent and you're not sure who you are. Well, let me say this. Becoming a parent changes you. I should say this for most people. For most people that become parents, they change. They become a parent. <laughs> they become that person that has kids that has to take care of them. Most people probably know what I'm talking about. They went from doing anything they want, anytime they want, or at least for the most part, to becoming somebody that has to take care of someone all the time. So becoming a parent does change you. And what I noticed from your story is that you didn't really understand or fully realize who you were before you became a parent. So the transformation into a parent caused you to change before you even knew who you were which tells me that you probably had no solid foundation of that, which means you're now like twice removed from who you really are. You might feel that way. It's like a double dissociation. You're not only dissociated because you can't figure out who you are, but then you transform into something else from this dissociated state, and now you're double dissociated. It's like you're separated from your true identity so far that, yeah, you're going to feel lost. You're going to feel like... You just can't figure things out. You just don't have the solid foundation that would really help you understand yourself. So I get that if that's what happened to you. I'm, again, I'm making some guesses here, but I'm assuming that's what happened is that you went from not being a parent and not knowing who you are to being a parent and really not knowing who you are because you had no foundation. So this is how, or at least one way, I'd like to create a new foundation of who I am. 
the first thing is what I've already talked about is figuring out what you do that drains you and what you do that enhances you. It's very helpful to know this stuff. This is not necessarily creating your identity, but what you'll find out is when you do things that you like, it usually fulfills you. And when you do things that you don't like, it usually drains you in some cases. And what ends up happening is that if you have more that drains you, then you feel less compelled to do it. And because you feel less compelled to do it, and you might feel obligated to do the things that drain you, then you are less of who you want to be. And I look at trying to identify who you are, trying to understand your role in this universe as moving toward who you want to be and what you want to do more and more. Because as you do that, you discover who you are. Because if we're always on a road of doing things that we don't want to do and doing things that disempower us or drain us, then we will forget who we are. You will forget who you are if you don't do things that you want to do. And it's not always easy. It's not always possible. I'm not saying that you can just go out and do anything you want because there are obligations in your life and you know that it's a given. You know you have to deal with it. I'm not saying that you have to. You know you have to. But what can we do in addition to that so that we can understand ourselves better and help us with some self-identity stuff? I think aside from just doing what you want more often, which is, again, hard to do sometimes, is to do this exercise that I've talked about on another episode, which is to create a circle in the middle of a piece of paper and uh, write your name in it. This is the happiness mind map. I just made up that name. Uh, <laughs> the happiness mind map is you put your name in the middle of a piece of paper, you put a circle around it, and that's you. You know, there's your identity right there. Everything you are, everything you think, everything you feel, it's you in that circle. You draw a line from that circle in any direction, and you put another circle. And the person that you're around the most, you're going to put their name in that circle. And then you're going to draw another line from the center circle and put somebody else's name that you're around a lot and circle that name. And then draw another line from the center circle, make another circle off the end of that line, and put somebody else's name. And what you're essentially doing is you're creating your circle of influence. Well, circles of influence. You're a circle in the middle, and the circles around you are everyone that is in your life. These are the people that you deal with the most, talk to the most, are hanging around the most, are in your mind the most. Now, I'm not talking about um, people that live thousands of miles away and you think about them all the time because you miss them. I'm talking about the, the people that still influence you. They're around you. You talk to them. You're probably in their proximity a lot or you're on the phone with them a lot. Put those names in those circles around the center circle and just fill up the paper with all the people in your circle of influence or circles of influence. And you will see everyone that kind of makes up part of the totality of all the people that go through your mind and go through your life every day. And it's helpful to do this with a pencil because we're going to do some erasing. But before we erase, I want you to create that piece of paper or you can do it in your mind's eye too, but it's a lot easier on paper. Uh, or I guess you could do it on a computer as well. But look at that piece of paper with you in the middle and all these people, these are all your associations, your relatives, friends, coworkers, whoever. And now you have a good outline of who affects you. So we started off with your name in the circle and we put all these other circles around it and all these people. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes 
and visualize your life and all these people in your life and how they affect you and your day-to-day routines and how you feel in general most of the time. Just do that. Close your eyes. How do you feel in general most of the time? You wrote down all these names, all these people in your life. And as those people come in and out of your thoughts, you check in and feel what you feel. How does it feel when my husband comes in there? How does it feel when my kids come in there? How does it feel when my mom comes in there? And you have these feelings that will come and they'll go. And some will stay and some will not. And then you'll just do this with all these people in your life. And then ask yourself, how do I feel in general with all these people in my life? You can stop this and do it on your own, but you might have some mixed feelings. You'll definitely have some people that don't make you feel very good, and you'll have some people that make you feel really good. But when you're ready, you just open your eyes and kind of remember how that felt. And then you look down at that paper, and you see all these circles. And here's what I want you to do. This is the next step. You look at any name. Pick any name. Maybe someone that's not around you all the time, but sometimes. Just pick any name, and then take your eraser and erase their name. Or cross it out, whatever you want to do. Just either way, take them out of your circles of influence. And what you'll find is that that person is now gone. This is the visual metaphor I want you to do, is that person is now no longer in your life. So close your eyes. And how does that feel with all these other people, but this person not in your life anymore? Just sit with that for a moment. There could be some positive thoughts or negative thoughts. There could be a bunch of thoughts. Or maybe it doesn't affect you too much. It was a coworker, whatever. But how is your life? How do you feel in general without this person? Pause this if you want to do this exercise. Or if you just did it and you want to move on, then all you do is something that you already know I'm going to tell you to do is to erase somebody else's name. Erase somebody else's name, maybe someone that you see more of. Just choose any name. Now, I understand you may not want to do this with your kids or your husband, but if you really want to play this full on, I would try it. It might be emotionally challenging, and you don't have to sit in the sadness if something makes you really sad, but just for a moment, you can try erasing somebody that's really close to you. Just try that on, just for a few seconds. If you don't want to erase it, you don't have to, but just try that on. And if that's awful, just put their name back. This is just trying it out. There's actually a lot you can get from this because we tend to take advantage of the people in our life because they're in our life. But when they're not there, it makes us feel a little different. And we might come out of a visualization like that with more appreciation, more gratefulness. Not that you didn't have that, but just in case, it gives you a taste of what it would be like. So again, you don't have to spend a lot of time when you erase somebody that you really love and you're really close to. So you can just try that. But you know where I'm going is now we're going to erase someone that maybe has a negative impact in your life. So do that. Erase their name. And then close your eyes. And ask yourself, what's life like without this person? How do I feel in general, overall, with my life, without this person in it. While you're doing this, you could visit a week from now, you could visit a year from now that this person hasn't been in your life. 
And when you do that, how does that feel? Where are you? How are you inside? Is life better? Is it worse? Is it different? This is just an exercise. It's just a, a way to help you connect with something that may be hard to connect to because some people are always around. Some people you think you'll never get rid of. Some people are just there and you just think there's no way away from them and there never will be. Try that on. Of course, you're going to try that with your mother and you're going to try that with your husband and you're going to try it with other people that may or may not be more important or less important. You're just going to, you don't have to go through all of them, but maybe you could just try it. Sometimes you'll erase someone and things will be a lot better and sometimes they won't. What this exercise does is help you determine what makes you happy and what doesn't. Not that people are the reason for your happiness, but some people are the reason that we can't feel happy just because they exist in our lives. You know, I don't want to say that, but it's true. Some people exist in our lives and we can't find happiness because they exist in our lives. So when you do this, this will help you identify some of the components that are causing you to stay in this bad space and causing you to feel drained because the more drained you feel, the less connected to yourself you'll be and the less connected you are, the more trouble you'll have figuring out who you are. Now, you can also expand this. It doesn't have to be just people. It can be uh, places like, okay, I'm going to put the yoga studio up here and I'm going to put my workplace right there and I'm going to make a circle for the park down the street. And you can try that out with and without those components in your life uh, if you want. And again, you can do this in your mind without writing it down. It's just an interesting process to help you discover what you want in your life versus what you don't want, which leads to something you mentioned in your email, what motivates you? Because I've discovered that some people are demotivating. For example, you tell them something great that you want to do with your life. You're so excited about it and they immediately deflate it. They immediately say all the stuff that's going to be wrong with it and they think you're stupid for even thinking about it. So you hold back and you don't tell this person anymore because they're so demotivating. And of course, that's going to demotivate you. I'm not saying you're dealing with that. I think because when you became a parent that you felt that double dissociation that I was talking about, that you never got a chance to explore who you are. But I'm going to give you a couple more reverse engineering tricks that you can do besides the happiness mind map that I was talking about and owning who you are, owning the house that you're in, owning your marriage, owning the fact that you are an equal adult with all the other adults around you and that you have every right to stand up for yourself and honor yourself and uh, protect yourself and your family, owning that stuff, those two things alone, just going toward what you want and understanding what drains you versus what empowers you and owning all this stuff that I'm talking about and owning your place in this world help to start to define the structure of your life. And as you do more and more of this, that structure helps you form your identity, or at least reveal it. And a third component of this is honoring your personal boundaries, which is similar to owning it. And part of owning it is also honoring yourself and enforcing your personal boundaries. Because when you enforce your personal boundaries, you're telling people what's acceptable and what's not. And that also helps create a foundational structure of your life. Because you may not know who you were, you may not have ever had 
a fully formed identity, which means you have to create it today. You have to move forward saying the things that you want and telling people what's acceptable and what's not and making decisions and standing firm on those decisions because you're an adult and you can make decisions and you can also make mistakes, but you're going to stand firm. And if you make a mistake, you'll own that too. And as you own things, as you stand up for yourself, it helps create the structure of your identity, which helps you start to form better decisions, which helps with your confidence, your self-worth, your self-esteem, and also understanding that maybe you never had an identity. And so everything I'm sharing with you today is a way to create that or reveal it so that you can really step into it and make it yours. Because if you've never had one, or you don't believe you've had one, and you probably haven't because of your upbringing, it sounds like, then you have to start making things yours. This is all about owning it. And let me give you this final piece of advice, uh, which has to do with something else you said in your email, which is you're having trouble losing weight and you can't get motivated. You know, it all starts with the mental game. The mental game has to be addressed first. Everything I'm talking about in this episode is that mental game. If you start an exercise or a weight loss routine and you just can't stick with it, it's almost always the mental game. And all the mental game is, is your thought processes and how you handle yourself. Because if you are at all wishy-washy and you're not confident in yourself and you have low self-worth, then it's going to be very difficult to stick with any routine. So you may have to put aside your struggle with weight loss. You may have to put aside constantly thinking about what you're not doing right when it comes to that and really start doing the steps that I outlined in this episode because the routines will come a lot easier if you have a clear head, if you get rid of that fog. The fog is what causes us to fall off the bandwagon every time. When you don't have that fog and you own your life, you own who you are, you own your decisions, then you become unstoppable. Nothing will be able to stop you. If you start a a weight loss routine or an exercise routine, you'll do it every day. You'll be like, nope, this is what I want for my life. You'll know what you want for your life and you'll do it until you accomplish it. But there's probably stuff going on in your life right now that you haven't really stood up for yourself for or you really feel like that little child that's still stuck in that old situation when you were growing up. There's a lot more to talk about on this, but I'm going to leave it here because I believe I've given you some things to work with. I hope I have. I hope you don't feel like I'm just telling you to deal with it. (laughs) That is not what I'm saying at all. I don't want you to feel that way. I want to give you hope. This is sort of the Stoic or Buddhist philosophy of it's not what happens, it's your reaction to what happens and what you do instead of the way you used to react. Because the way you used to react, or at least how you're doing it now, might have to change so much that people don't know who you are. If people don't know who you are, then they really can't define you for you, can they? Because you're showing up as a different person. Who are you? That may be scary, but if you want your life to change, you have to make some changes. Now, it doesn't mean you have to become a total stranger. I mean, there are probably many wonderful things about you that you don't want to change. I'm not asking you to change the wonderful things. I'm asking you to change what drains you. I'm asking you to change when you respond or react to things. Is that response or reaction disempowering? Because if it is, you'll never, ever be able to identify with yourself. And you'll always feel that dissociated feeling 
and never be able to crawl out of whatever hole you feel like you're in. And we don't want that. We want you to be able to get out of that hole. And some of the things I talked about today feel like sort of leaps of faith. If I honor myself in that situation, I might get yelled at. Yep, you might. You might. I'm not saying you honor yourself with violent or aggressive people. And I'm talking about physical aggression. If they just yell at you, that's probably not aggressive enough to be fearful for your life. We have to pick our battles wisely, of course. But we have to look at what's draining us and make sure that we show up in a solid way, in a confident way. And even if we're about to say something and we feel fear about it, we ask ourselves, what would I do or say if I had absolutely no fear of the consequences? That's how you figure out what you want. What would I do or say if I had absolutely no fear of the consequences? Hey, your mom just said this, so what would you say back if you had no fear of the consequences? Then the next step is actually doing that. So don't just deal with it. Do it. (laughs) Just do it. And I want you to succeed. I hope to hear back from you, and I hope this has been helpful. Thank you so much for sharing this. I wish you the best with this. I know it's tough. You can do this. I appreciate you. Thanks again for writing in. Thank you for listening to another episode. We'll be right back with my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want you to check out nativedeo.com. That's nativedeo.com forward slash brain and get 20% off your first order. And I want to thank the patrons of the week. These are the financial supporters of the show. Anna, Chelsea, Linda, Adriana, 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 Julia, Ron, John. Thank you all so much. You are the financial backbone. You are helping the show. These are the monthly supporters that have chosen to give back. They are giving back because they have an opportunity to give back. Some people do, some people don't. And I appreciate all of you that listen to this show. I appreciate all of you that support this show. All of the patrons that support the show, I am grateful. And of course, everyone that listens to the show, shares the show, writes reviews for the show, anything to get the word out there. I am grateful for you. Thank you so much. And I thank the patrons of the week to recognize those or are able to give a little bit more. So thank you, patrons. I appreciate you. And if you find value in this show and you want to give back, head over to moretob.com and you'll have an opportunity to either become a monthly contributor or you can even make a one-time donation. I have a button over there for that. In fact, somebody whose name I can't pronounce donated and I want to thank uh, this person, Hugh, Hugh, why? (laughs) I am so sorry. In fact, hold on. I am not going to, leave it at that. I'm actually going to make some effort and go online. How do you pronounce (laughs) H-U-I? How do you? Here we go. Let's find out. Huey. Is that it? Huey? Chinese? Well, if that's you, Huey, I'm truly grateful for your donation. Thank you so much. And if I mispronounce your name, I will give your donation back. (laughs) I'm so sorry. But I am so grateful and I wanted to take the effort to learn how to pronounce your name because that's the least I could do. Thank you, Huey. I hope I said it right. And thank you, everyone that donates over at moretob.com. And of course, thank you for those who use the Amazon link on the website. There are people that do that as well. They just shop Amazon through the link at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And that's a way they give back as well because we get a little percentage of the sales that uh, come through that link as well. I appreciate you. Thank you again. 
And uh, I mentioned my other podcast, Love and Abuse. If you find yourself not able to identify what's happening in your relationship or you feel like you're being blamed for everything going wrong with it, maybe you're in an emotionally abusive situation. If you are, head over to loveandabuse.com and make sure you listen to that show. It's for difficult relationships and talks about poisonous behavior and toxic communication. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. Oh, I was supposed to read a review or two here. Um, somebody named OG Teacher Terry wrote, Techniques that really work. What a truly helpful podcast this is. Paul gives you real tools to work with. I'm already changing my thought processes and I feel better day by day. Thank you. So grateful for this information and perspective. Wow, that is right in alignment with what I was talking about earlier. Thank you, OG Teacher Terry. Uh, It's a fun handle. And I'm so grateful that you wrote this. And I'm very happy to hear that these tools that I talk about here are working because that's what I want. I don't want you to just deal with life. (laughs) I know, I'm not going to let it go. Uh, (laughs) So I am grateful for your words, and I am so happy to hear this. And somebody else wrote, who is this? Fluke. (laughs) That's the iTunes handle, Fluke. Uh, with a lot of O's. Very helpful. This podcast has been fun to listen to even as I've just started learning about podcasts. Whoa, this is your first foray into podcasting and you tuned into this show? I am grateful. I am honored. I am so happy that you are learning and it's fun. Um, I wouldn't call it fun, but maybe it is. I guess I could call it fun. Oh, anyway, thank you again. Anyone that's reviewed the show, I try to see all those reviews and I just don't get to them all on the air, but I am appreciative. So, That's the show. I usually have some final words right at the end, and I'm just going to close with this. Often what you do defines who you are. Often what you say defines who you are. Often how you behave defines who you are. How you react defines who you are. How you respond to things, how you perceive things defines who you are. And because of that, you get to create who you are every day. You get to do this every moment of every day. This is something I try to remember all the time. If I'm around anyone, especially toxic people, if I'm around a toxic person, my stepfather comes into the room because I'm visiting family and suddenly he shows up, I ask myself, who am I going to be? Am I going to be the little child that was always afraid of him growing up? Because if you haven't heard, he was the abusive alcoholic person in our lives, my family's lives. And I was scared of standing up to him all my life until one day I did. I was in my 40s when I did, but I finally did. Because in that moment, I asked myself, who am I going to be? And that defined me. That moment created another part of the foundation that I needed to define who I am. You define you in every moment of the day. And sometimes you do things that are disempowering. Sometimes they're draining. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes you will have to do things that are draining. But what are you doing the rest of the time? Are you always showing up that way? Or do you do that uh, in select moments because you have to? But the rest of the time you show up as owning who you are and standing up for who you are, honoring your personal boundaries. I try to practice this all the time. And yes, it's hard. Yes, it feels like a leap of faith into an endless pit. It is scary. It feels like I'm going to die sometimes. I mean, that's sort of exaggerating, but sometimes it feels that way. Like, oh my God, I'm going to die if I do this. But I do it anyway. 
and I find out what happens. I'm not saying you should always do that. I'm just saying you define who you are in every moment. And if you've allowed people to control you and have power over you and take your power away, what part can you control so you can take some of that power back, even if it means taking a risk? I've talked about that before, but um, taking a risk is usually the emotional challenge inside of us that we need to get over inside ourselves, unless it's not, unless it's too risky because the person that we're around is too dangerous. And that's a different risk. We don't want to take those kinds of risks because we don't want to put our lives in danger. But think about everything else you deal with in life and all the other types of people that you deal with in life. Most of them are not going to be physically dangerous. And if they are, maybe you should make a decision to not be around those people if possible. I don't talk like this because I know it's the same for everyone. I know it's different for everyone. I just want to give you some tools to help you stay out of disempowering situations and give you the mental strength you may need to create the life you want. And with that, always keep an open mind so you can step into that power which helps you be firm in your decisions and actions. And that's what helps you create that life. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. Amazing.